Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'll be speaking with Sandy Bell, and we're going to focus on what it takes to be an effective board member. Sandy is the chair of the Queen Elizabeth Centre, an early parenting centre that offers programs for families with children from birth till the, before the child's fourth birthday. She was previously a board member at the Queen Victoria Women's Centre Trust, YWCA Victoria and YWCA Australia, Social Housing Victoria and Bass Coast Health. Sandy holds over 25 years' experience in the health and human services industry, initially as a clinician and in senior roles of both public health services and the Victorian Department of Health and Human Services. She's currently Director of Strategy and Planning at the Royal Women's Hospital. Sandy has more than 20 years' experience as a director and chair on a range of public sector and not-for-profit boards. She's a graduate of the AICD with an extensive understanding of the role of the board director in both corporate and clinical governance. I first met Sandy when she and I were on the board of YWCA Victoria, which was my first board. Sandy and I often rode our bikes home together from board meetings, and it was a great opportunity for us to debrief issues and what went on at the board meeting. I'm really looking forward to speaking with her today about being an effective board member. Having sat on a board with Sandy, I know that she knows a lot about this topic. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Sandy. Thanks, Helia. That's quite a long introduction. I didn't actually know there was all those things about me, but uh, thanks. It's great. Before we delve into being an effective board member, I think the Take On Board community would love to know a bit more about what makes you tick. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a story about young Sandy and something that tells us a bit more about you and how you got to where you are today. Oh, the young Sandy. Oh, so I started my board career when I was a young woman. I was probably in my mid-20s and I started life as a registered nurse and then I decided to go back to university and study women's studies. And in the paper that same first year appeared a little ad to join a project or a thing that was going on in Melbourne which was establishing the Queen Vic Women's Centre 
and they were looking for women to join them on the committee and to be part of the project. And I did and quickly found myself as part of a community of Melbourne's most fabulous women. And if any of you are listening out there, I give a shout out to those early 90s um, when we were trying to establish what has now become the Queen Vic Women's Centre in Lonsdale Street. Um, It was the early days to that. Really amazing opportunity. I was mentored and given lots of experience in working together with other people, making decisions, setting policy and the direction of where we were going. Um, lobbying government and they were pretty exciting days because we were ultimately successful. As a result of that experience I got appointed to the founding board of the Queen Vic Women's Centre Trust as the young woman and that really formalised you know in a trust sort of sense, statutory authority sense, my kind of first proper role on a board at that time which had come out of probably three or four years of volunteer experience in the organisation that young Sandy was pretty green and naive, didn't really know what was going on, whirled away from neurosurgery at the Alfred. But um, yeah, it was, well, they were good times. Yeah. Wow, so how old were you when this was going on? Um, I was probably in my mid-twenties. As a mid-twenties woman, what advice would you give to other young women mm. about being on a board or joining a board? What would you say to them? Yeah. That came about because I was following a passion and an interest um, and I was looking for opportunities that allowed me to translate what I was learning academically, which was all fabulous and great but not particularly practical, into the practical realities of feminist politics and advocacy for women and leading and, you know, women's leadership. And so I followed, you know, my passion and my interest. So that would be something that I would always recommend. And surround yourself with women who you respect and can learn from and are willing to teach you and also are passionate about young women coming in behind them because those types of women are the ones that will give you lots of opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise get and in return you give them lots of enthusiasm and energy and new eyes and contemporary views on things which is also incredibly rewarding back the other way so don't think that you haven't got anything to offer I've got lots to offer I think don't be too sort of hard on yourself um, and don't have too higher expectations um, if things don't kind of quite go the way that you think they're going to because you just never know where things will will go. So just being in and a part of it, standing up and having a crack, that's kind of the most important thing. Yeah, I think it's such a good point about being in and being part of it and that co-relationship around it, that it's Mm. the young women, again, I mentioned at the start that you and I are on the board of the YWCA Mm. together and that's an organisation that has a quota for young women, so Mm. four women 30 years or under. Mm. And I know when I was on that board with you, we were both not in the young women category, (laughs) but those young women that we're on the board with, they weren't just the young women. Mm. They were there as full board members and Mm. participating and their input 
was equal to everybody mm. else around the board table. Mm. And in some cases, you know, I certainly learnt more from them based on just where they'd come from and their experiences, whether that be in their working life or their personal lives, just as much as um, they were learning from me and and yourself in terms of being so-called older women or old, not young Not women. young. <laughs> That's all right on the board. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it leads us beautifully into the topic for today, which is about being an effective board member or indeed an effective board. Mm. Uh, and for me, diversity is certainly one of those things that makes an effective board. Mm. But in thinking about being an effective board member or an effective board, I'm wondering what you can tell us about it and if there's any stories you can share with us. Everyone has their own style being a board member it's a bit like leadership there is no one successful formula for the CEO or a leader or a chair or whatever so everyone has their own style as a board member and I think it's really important that you play to your strengths and you be the person that you are so you've been appointed onto that board because you've got skills and qualifications and or qualities that board is looking for at that time and so I think it's really important that you you be that person um, that is yourself because that's what they are looking for and want you on that board for and I think the other part of I guess being an effective board member is that you are in it you're giving 110% to it. You come into those meetings, you know, all the kind of normal things. You're prepared for meetings. You've read the papers. You are um, participating in the discussion um, in the board meetings. And I think the times when I've had gr the most frustration on a board is where board members have been appointed in a particular context. They may or may not know about the business of an organisation but in their time of being board members they haven't really spent a lot of time getting to know the business and understand the sector that they're in or the business that they're in. They don't always come prepared for meetings and so what that means is that the discussion and the quality of the discussion, the generosity of spirit with which people come to those meetings is really ordinary and what that means is that really poor decisions are made. The CEO probably is not held to account um, as well as they should be. And that, I think, then translates into the organisation in terms of poor performance across the organisation as well. It also sets up a culture on the board that is not best practice in terms of striving to be the best and the best organisation you know you will all be and that then permeates down into the organisation as well and so not surprisingly those organisations often have issues with financial management they have issues with HR and culture and bullying and those other things um, they have issues with the operational performance of the organisation as well so it's really 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 important the role of the board and your as an individual board director, what you bring to that board really does influence how the rest of the board operates. So what do you do when you're on a board? We're actually talking more about an ineffective board member, mm. but obviously the opposite side of that is what makes a good board. Mm. What do you do when you're on a board? You've got a group of people and you've got somebody that's not contributing in a way. Mm. What do you do as a, as a board member? How do you manage that? 
Yeah. Or, what, or even better, what have you done? Yeah, so I think it depends on if you're the chair or not or whether you're a, you know, squeaky wheel <laughs> board member that's in the ear of the chair, perhaps indicating that, you know, things could perhaps run a little bit better if everyone around the table was participating as well as they could be. So I've both done both things. I've talked to chairs and kind of used examples of where if the conversation had have been better, that we had better participation, that we were asking more challenging questions of our CEO and of each other, then we probably would have got a different outcome or we would have got to the outcome a lot quicker than we did otherwise. And so there's a price that we're all paying for slow or off-tangent conversations. Plus I've also kind of spent time with those board directors to kind of understand what's going on in their kind of perspective of the board and where they see themselves. Some of those people you can kind of get an opportunity to talk to them about perhaps the impact of their kind of behaviour on the rest of the board. But often it just at least helps you to kind of understand where that person is coming from and manage your own expectations (laughs) as much as anything accordingly. I think... Having a chair that is progressive around board development and having an expectation across all board members around skill development and competency on the board is the best case scenario. And so being able to actually remove it from the individual person but talk about board development more broadly and what are the opportunities for us as a board to be even more effective and make better decisions, more informed decisions and decisions that are based on robust discussion I think is something that um, is easier to and is a more positive way to navigate around individuals that aren't particularly performing well. So in terms of board development, what have you seen work well? I've always been keen to have um, a subcommittee of the board which often deals with remuneration of the CEO and the KPIs of the CEO, but they also do governance of the board itself and that could also be recruitment of new board directors as well. So sometimes it's called a nominations committee, sometimes it's a governance kind of committee. And that then is a forum of people that are just genuinely interested in governance and the effective working of the board. And normally that results in let's survey everyone and um, establish, you know, what the strengths and weaknesses and what people's understanding of the various role of a board director and the breadth of that. And then we can perhaps see where some gaps are and then come up with a bit of an action plan for the next one, two, three years in terms of improving the overall kind of health of the board. So that's always been a pretty positive thing. And invariably, membership to, you know, external bodies like AOCD, Leadership Victoria, and then kind of some other sort of pop-up governance sort of in-service or, you know, from various different bodies. If you're in health, you know, VHA have a governance arm and whatnot. And just broad reading, those things kind of bring people thinking about the way that we're operating as a board and create opportunities to talk about perhaps we could do things differently. Um, There are some different models. So I know at the Y in the very early days they were looking at Carver, you know, model of governance and what that means in terms of the way you structure the discussion, the agenda and the way that 
board members interact with each other and how that's kind of managed. But you've kind of got to have an appetite for it. And if the chair has got an appetite for it and can see the benefit of it, it's not just an end in itself, then it can be, you can go on quite a journey if you want to. So in terms of some of those nuts and bolts that you've talked about, the agenda, papers, those sorts of things, you're the chair of the board now. Mm. What's your view? Like I know some people like to star agenda items so they don't get discussed unless otherwise. Some people have the strategic items up front. How do you structure your board meetings? Yeah, so we had it structured. It was organised in a sort of a content way. So different types of papers were kind of grouped together. And what it meant was that often we were discussing and deciding on some key things late in the meeting when everybody was pretty exhausted and spending an enormous amount of time discussing things when everyone was fresh that didn't necessarily really warrant a lot of discussion about them. So we've recently restructured the agenda more along the lines of what I've been used to in the past, which is everything for decision is up front, kind of organised in terms of the degree with which it's an easy decision or a hard decision, so probably do the hard decisions first, the things that will require a lot of debate and discussion amongst board members through to the kind of quick thing, quick wins. And I think that means that we do the meat of the meeting, so to speak, up front and when people are most fresh and kind of ready to go. Then we do things for discussion and so there's always just things that you want to discuss, early drafts of something or other issues that have come up that for which you kind of just want to have a discussion so that the CEO's got some steer on various items and then the back half of the meeting is really just for noting, probably signing off on or noting minutes of our subcommittees, talking about our subcommittees and then we kind of close with other business and then an opportunity to go in camera in terms of CEO performance or any other issue that the board members are wanting to talk about that they're uncomfortable with the way meetings are going or want to talk in the absence of staff. Um, I sometimes use it as an opportunity just to check in with the other board members because you don't often, unless you're making time to see board members outside of board meetings, it's the one opportunity where all generally all of us are together just to check in on how we think we're going as a board do you think we're getting the right information so a bit of a sort of mini evaluation for myself along the way and any kind of takeouts um, just more broadly about the health of the organization and the board so and then yeah just finish off the meeting then Um, we've just recently done a new welcome to country Acknowledgement, it's not welcome to country, the acknowledgement of country because QEC is an organisation that has women and children um, and mainly children and so, you know, the bog standard kind of acknowledgement to country is very generic and I wanted to have an acknowledgement of country that recognised the importance of children being raised within families and in community and connected to country. And so we have recently updated that. And it's been an interesting journey because QEC has an interesting past as well. And so it's been a very good process to think differently about how we might want to go on, um, use that as a vehicle of signalling conversations around reconciliation that we wouldn't have otherwise had. What an interesting way of um, tailoring. Sometimes the acknowledgement of country 
feels like words yeah and not a feeling and having it as a you know a sincere generous genuine feeling yeah is really important what a fantastic way of doing it so that it really does fit the bill yeah. in that way yeah 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 does um, the Queen Elizabeth Centre have a reconciliation action plan? Yeah, we're in the process of um, working with Reconciliation Australia to have that formalised. Um, but yes, we have got a plan. Um, it's a bit slow in coming. I think most other organisations have had one in place for you know a long period of time or continuing to evolve theirs because um, it's one of those things that is a kind of as you become more mature as an organisation, you can continue to evolve. So... And we have well-established operational partnerships with Aboriginal organisations and so it's absolutely essential that we have one in place. So even that tailoring of the acknowledgement, did that come from board? Was that a reconciliation action plan from the organisation or was that you in the chair leading some of those things? Yeah, it was probably me. So as a board, we have an annual planning day and one of the inputs into the annual planning day was the opportunity to get some greater appreciation and understanding of what the Aboriginal community are saying about children and their families. And from that, it really resonated with myself and our CEO about the opportunity to change our acknowledgement to be much more connected to what we are as an organisation and what the Aboriginal communities, I suppose, normal way of practice around family and children and how important children are. We think that's a common thing that we both share, so Mm -hmm. we should be acknowledging that. Which, again, is an interesting, as the chair of the board, for others thinking about whether they're the chair of a board or chair of a committee or even just on a board, what sort of influence you can bring to the board table to raise those sorts of issues. Yeah, and what's within your sphere of influence? I mean, everything's, I suppose, within your sphere of influence, but there are certain things that you do as a board that can have far-reaching influence into the organisation and that you can walk the talk. And so often organisational policies are at the operational level, of course, and sometimes it's difficult to translate what that looks like. So another piece of work that I want to do is translating the organisational values and what that looks like in a board Um, because often they're written from the perspective of staff and that's a very important um, thing. And maybe they're going to be the same for the board, but there might be some different things in terms of what that looks like. What does courage look like? What Mm -hmm. does passion look like? What does teamwork look like? You know, those normal kind of values that most organisations have a version of. And if they are discussed at that level at the board, it is often a way of actually bringing it alive. Sandy, I could talk to you all day about this sort of stuff. And in fact, I'm sure I'm going to have to get you back to talk about some of the other issues at some stage. In thinking about the conversation that we've had, which has been pretty broad ranging about what an effective board member is and some amazing tips and tricks in there for people to bear in mind. But I'm wondering, what what are the main points that you want people to take away from Mm. the conversation today? So I think being an effective board member is always being kind of prepared for those meetings, but it's also about reading broadly and being well informed about your sector and the role of the board member and the role of boards, that kind of governance piece. A lot of that's really dry, but there are, you know, some good readings and some good things that are available in terms of how that what your general reading might be in terms of how that relates to being on a board or can you bring some of those things to the board. I think listening is a really 
critical part of being a board member and listening to your other board directors and how they are talking about and um, thinking about items for discussion and I think when you're a really active and good listener you tend to ask really great questions back because you're genuinely curious and I think that's the other thing is about being genuinely curious about the topics that are coming in front of you genuinely interested and that will also drive some really you know powerful questions in terms of tell me more or whatever it is, um, that curiosity combined with listening is like really critical. And I think if you don't know your other board members very well and you're new to a board, spend some time getting to know your other board members. Have coffee with them outside of board meetings, hang around before and after board meetings to have that informal kind of chit-chat, which is normally when you're talking about what you've done, you know, earlier that day or the day before in terms of getting yourself ready for a board meeting, you get to understand who your other board members are and how they tick and where they come from and building those relationships with each other I think is really critical to being able to make good decisions and have good discussion, debate. Maybe uh, ride your bike home with co-board directors. Yes, just as we used to all those years ago. I mean, that was very much about a debrief between two board members in terms of what did you think was going on in that part of the meeting or you know when I asked that question do you think that was the right question and so it's also about you know you're always on a journey you can always get better at being a board member and so true appointment to board does not often come without having someone who you may already know on a board or some kind of network conversation so you may be more likely to be linked with one other person at least on a board And so having those kind of conversations about how do you think I went or, Mm. you know, whatever, they're really valuable as well. Um, A little vulnerability is not uh, a bad thing. I have heard of another director I was talking to recently and she has she sometimes goes off and has her nails done with one of the other board yeah, directors nice. and they just have a bit of a yarn over getting their nails done together, which is lovely. QEC is right out in Noble Park and so there's a bunch of us that um, need to drive or be picked up and shuttled out and back and whatever. And so that's also an opportunity to have some different board directors in your car going home because they've managed to get themselves out there or whatnot. So, you know, that's another way of, you know, that in the car coming home is kind of like the bicycle riding yeah. <laughs> the debrief <laughs> with a bit less puffing going uphill. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you can recommend a resource for the Take On Board community. It might be a podcast or a book or a TED Talk. What might be a useful resource to share with our community? I'm actually listening to a podcast series called How I Work, which is run by a woman called Dr. Amantha Imber, who runs a company called Inventium. But she interviews lots of creatives and innovators about how they work and how you work can apply to your day-to-day job but it can also apply to um, your board role Um, and there's lots of strategies and tips in terms of being more effective every day and I'm yeah really getting a lot out of that and I really enjoy that and you know probably like your podcast there will be show notes around the books that the people that she's interviewing reads and so from that you kind of get a broader list of books and newsletters and podcasts um, as well so that kind of broadens your thinking about all sorts of stuff 
And then there are LinkedIn forums and groups and um, AICD membership and, you know, subgroups and groups off that. Leadership Victoria run, you know, different things from time to time. And, you know, I'm just always keeping my eye out for random stuff as well. Is there any LinkedIn groups that you're part of that you find particularly valuable? I mean, they're all valuable. Being linked into a few different ones means that depending on what you might be challenged by on your own board, you've got a forum in which to drop into depending on what that is. Um, And so kind of setting yourself up with a bit of a base foundation and also just some other mates who are not like you Helia who are not on your board but are on other boards or have been on boards in the past who understand board work being able to take them out for coffee and um, run stuff by them and check in do you think I'm over egging this or whatnot that's always really good too. I'm wondering from our discussion today you know the key themes that we've talked about what are two or three of the greatest actions for impact that you think our listeners can take? So I think think about your style. You know, you are unique, but it does have an impact and or does things great in a group situation because that's what boards is all about, collective decision-making. And so think about how your style either hinders or enhances decision-making on the board and what tweaks you might want to think about. Speak less, speak more ask less questions, ask more questions. So just be a little bit self-reflective in terms of how you um, behave as a board member. Build a good working relationship with your chair and become, you know, someone who is trusted by the chair and that doesn't necessarily mean you need to agree with the chair on everything but that you are have got a good working relationship with your chair and that when you need to challenge, that is, you know, part of the conversation. So your chair role, and if you are the chair, then um, establishing good working relationships with each of your board members and getting to know them is pretty critical. And you don't need to fall in love with the organisation for which you're on the board, but you kind of need to like it and you need to feel pretty be a champion for that organisation and be pretty passionate and committed about the work that they do because that makes it really easy to... And if you're struggling with that, get your CEO to take you into the organisation and walk you through the organisation or sit in on something um, so that you reconnect with what is the the work of the organisation and why you're there Um, because when you see the outcome of the work that your organisation does in the, on the lives of other people or the things that you're producing or whatever it is that you do, that makes it all worthwhile. Well, thanks, Sandy. Thanks for joining us today. Like I said earlier, I know the YWCA Victoria was my first board and on those rides home or driving home, I got an enormous amount out of you being my mentor on my first board. (laughs) So I know that uh, the Take On Board community are going to get an enormous amount out of the wisdom you've shared with us today. So thanks for being part of it. Thanks, Helia. And you are awesome too. So uh, I'm just so lucky to um, continue to be able to work with you on these various projects and uh, adventures. So thank you. It's been great. All power to both of us. Thanks, Sandy. (laughs) See ya. Hi there. It's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. 
Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.